It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, no! Touchdown, Jets! Mike White, how about him? Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson's still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for part two of our discussion on Derek Carr and the Carfax with our friend who covers the Raiders for Silver and Black Pride and also has a fantastic YouTube channel called Tape Don't Lie where he reviews the Raiders and specifically Derek Carr on a weekly basis. Marcus Johnson. Marcus, picking up our conversation from yesterday relating to Derek Carr. The Jets had had a quarterback that had consistent production, didn't miss games, and was the unquestioned leader of the locker room in a long time. This is a young team that could use somebody like that in the number one position in the locker room. I think he'd be a really good fit here from that standpoint. You hear Robert Sala and Joe Douglas talking all the time about the culture they're looking to build with guys that love football, with guys that all have positive vibes. You know a lot more about Derek Carr than we would here as Jets fans. I sure think that he fits the bill based on everything I know. From leadership, from you know a standpoint, I think he'd be able to take the New York media too because I mean the Raiders, Raiders fans, I mean they're they can get vicious, man. You know, they, they, can, they can do some things. They can get to you. I'm sure he's had some people he's wanted to respond to, but I, I mean, they can get to you, right? And um, I, he'll be able to handle the New York media for sure. I mean, there's really nothing. The crazy questions that that you know some of those guys maybe say to him, I, I don't think he, he wouldn't be able to handle that. I think he's, he's a he can handle those things, right? And I, I think some of those things are going to motivate him. I know he's super motivated now. I, I mean, there's 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 no this is the ultimate motivation for him. Definitely to prove that he can, he doesn't need, you know, whatever the Raiders are were trying to say to him or prove that he's the quarterback that he thinks he is. So, um, I mean, there's a lot behind Derek Carr. If he goes somewhere else, I, I think he'd be able to just, you know, kind of bring that leadership presence. Like I said, those intangibles, his intangibles are really through the roof. And that's, and especially the veteran him and the more motivated, kind of angrier Derek Carr, I would say. So, yeah, he, he's dealt with so much, man. I think he's ready for that type of spotlight for sure. Marcus, it's funny that you brought up the New York media because, again, going back to Boomer Esiason, he's one person that said that he doesn't believe that Derek Carr would be a good fit for this market. Dan Orlovsky echoed that statement, but to me, those are just guys saying things because, as you said, everybody knows how tough the Raiders fans are, and the Raiders reporters are not exactly cupcakes. So if he can handle the Raiders and their fans and the reporters out there for nine years without anything resembling any kind of outburst or incident or negative problem i don't see why he wouldn't be able to do that in new york yeah yeah he, he'd be able to handle it raiders media is pretty pretty national too like a lot of these mm. people who do content on youtube see all these types of people doing raiders media type of stuff right it's a kind of a big market and you know a lot of these guys they, they thrive on you know going after cars so i mean he, he's dealt with it i mean there's i mean he has some guys that even 
gone back and forth with a little bit in, in in Las Vegas or you know covering Oakland, right? I mean, he, when he when they left Oakland, man, they booed him and threw a bunch of stuff at him. You know, it's it's nothing that <laughs> New York would is probably nothing that he's never dealt with. Dealing with Raiders fans is probably tough enough, right? And so if he can, you know, have stuff thrown at him when he's leaving a stadium <laughs> and then go back and make the playoffs two years later, I think it'd be fine. There's nothing that crazier. Wow. But he, he wouldn't have to deal with there. Marcus, there is one other aspect of New York that would be interesting for Derek Carr. The rap on him is that he's a very bad cold weather quarterback. We did see more evidence of that in his poor performance in Pittsburgh, but it's not quite that cut and dry. He hasn't been good in the cold weather, but there have been times where it hasn't entirely been his fault. And you did a fantastic breakdown of Derek Carr's performances in cold weather. You wrote up all the games in detail and explained what went wrong. Some of the games were completely on Carr. Some of them were partially on him. Some of them were really out of his hands. Can you talk a little bit more about Derek Carr's history playing in cold weather? Because that's something that I think a lot of Jets fans are very worried about if the Jets were to get Derek Carr. I think, you know, the Derek Carr cold weather thing comes with a, a couple of things. One, I mean, they're, they're a warm weather team. So I think we have to start there, that they are a warm weather team. That means they all, the whole team has to go play in the cold. And I think that is a little bit of a factor into it, even if you can get into how he plays in the cold himself. Okay. So, you know, every time they go play in the cold, there's a lot of drops, right? Balls are bouncing off guys' hands. I mean, because the ball is a little harder to catch in the cold. And they don't, they don't, all these players don't catch balls in the cold for a long periods of time. Cause especially playing, you know, even when you play in the AFC West, I know you go to Denver and stuff like that. There's some cold places, but, you know, you're still a West Coast team and you, you play, the West Coast teams just don't travel to cold places very well, especially if they're East Coast time zones, right? Um, which is a big factor of, of a lot of that too, is playing in the East Coast time zone for a you know team going out to the East and playing in the cold. Um, so I think that that is a factor of all of it because Amari Cooper was terrible in the cold. I mean, he still is kind of, even in Cleveland, <laughs> he was terrible in the cold. <laughs> so he was throwing the ball to him. You know, a lot of those guys are just not good in the cold because they, they haven't played in it at all. And, but I think back to him, I think a little bit of the way Derek Carr throws the ball with a lot of touch sometimes, I think he doesn't have, he doesn't throw the ball zip all the time. He tries to put touch on uh, certain footballs and he can throw the ball with zip. Don't get me wrong, but he likes to be more of a touch passer mm-hmm. in certain instances. Right. And I think what it comes to the wind and things like that, when he tries to throw a little more of those touch passes, they get caught in the wind a little bit and you can see the ball kind of flutter or, or things like that. And I, I think that's, that's been his problem playing in the cold is, you know, him not showing off his arm strength a lot. I think that he's he's got to realize that you can't do the little touch pass you could do in Vegas. You can't really do that in the cold as much. You got to put some zip on the ball, like Josh Allen does. Like Josh Allen does not does not do touch passes as much. You know, he probably should do more touch passes, but him not doing touch passes is what makes him so good in the cold because he's going to try to zip that ball mm. as fast as he can. And you saw some passes by Derek Carr when he put that zip on it, like the one to Hunter Renfro he scored a touchdown on put zip on it, you saw a good throw in the cold, but then you saw the one that he missed to Tonner Renfro where he tried to put that ball in the air. And I'm not saying that the, it caught the win, but you know, it's it was an ugly pass. And when you there's a little touch passes that could happen to him. So I, I think it's a little bit of both, you know, if he goes to a cold weather team, will he play better in the cold? Because they're a cold weather team. 
I say yes, will he be like Josh Allen in the cold? No. So it, that, that's kind of how you have to look at it, in my opinion. He's probably never going to be a superstar in the cold, but if he's on a cold weather team and they all play in the cold and they're used to it and the team coming from the West Coast doesn't play in the cold, I think Derek Carr will be fine. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Marcus, since you brought up Hunter Renfro, he and Darren Waller missed a lot of time this past season. I know that the Raiders got Devontae Adams, but how much do you think not having Renfro and Waller for so many games affected Derek Carr this year? Oh, I, I think it affected the offense big time. I think that um, they didn't have a chance to kind of get in the flow. Uh, who knows what they would have looked like if they, play, you know, they started off a little slow early on. Um, you know, but Hunter Renfro got hurt. He had a concussion really early. And then Darren Waller got hurt right after that. And then when Hunter Renfro came back, he had the hip injury or the oblique injury that he was dealing with. So um, they never really played together, right? And then you saw a little bit what it could look like at the end of the year. At, at the beginning of the year, sorry, the first game of the season, you saw a little bit of what it looked like, even though they had a lot of turnovers, there was a lot of explosive plays. And then even in the Cardinals game, they had some good passing offense, even though they struggled in the second half a little bit. But they showed a pretty good passing offense with all those guys together on the field. So, I mean, it definitely would have been a different outlook to see those guys grow together throughout the season. Maybe they finish the season stronger if you have all those guys. Um, you know, they, they kind of started to take away Darren Waller's snaps a little bit, which is that's not, this is an episode about Derek Carr, so I don't want to get to Darren Waller. But uh, <laughs> they started to take away his snaps a little bit, too. So, so they kind of took away the flow when he did come back. So – it, it was interesting how that went, that dynamic, but we never really got to see it. So um, that was kind of the ugly part of it. Marcus, one thing you hear a lot about with Derek Carr is he's not a winner. Nine years with the Raiders, he has a bad winning percentage. He's lost more games than any other quarterback through nine seasons as a starter. He's only been in one playoff game and lost, which I think is a little bit misleading. It's not fair to hold the fact that he got hurt the year that he would have won MVP and the Raiders ended up going to the playoffs. He would have been in the playoffs that year, so I would include that too. But either way, you hear that a lot. He doesn't go to the playoffs and he hasn't won anything the one time that he did go to the playoffs. So how much can you expect from him? But my counter to that, Marcus, has been that every year that Derek Carr has been the quarterback of the Raiders, he hasn't had a defense that's been ranked above 20th. And I dug this up. I thought this was really interesting. In games when the Raiders held the opposing team to less than three touchdowns, Derek Carr is 26-17. and And by the way, 70% of Derek Carr's starts resulted in the opposing team having more than three touchdowns. So to me, the fact that the Raiders haven't won with Derek Carr isn't necessarily Derek Carr's fault. A lot of it has to do with the team that was built around him, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I think the, the Derek Carr is not a winner thing. I mean, yeah, the Derek Carr has a losing record for sure. But, you know, Matthew Stafford had a losing record too when he got traded. I, mm -hmm. I think that's kind of how you kind of look at it i mean he was on a losing franchise I, I think he kind of took that franchise from being awful to competitive and then you could say that's if you can get mad about that but you know there's a lot of things that he couldn't control that kind of control the record like i mean he didn't trade Khalil back right i mean he didn't trade Khalil Mack. he didn't trade amari cooper right that kind of made that team four and twelve that's going to make that record um you know but then the, he didn't make those draft picks to only get them back to being an eight and eight team, which is what you're going to be with the bad defense. I mean, bad defense, good offense is eight and eight. I mean, that's the way it looks. It's the history of football. You could look it up, bad defense, good offense, is eight and eight. And that's kind of how they went 
when Derek Carr got through the second rebuild because the first rebuild, they got to 12 games, right? So they won 12 games the three years into it, right? There's a lot of growth, right? Then they had a bad season, but then John Green came in and just destroyed everything. And they started over again, and then he got them back to around being like competitive. They're in the playoff race every year. They're in the playoff race this year at the end of the year. So I think that's how you kind of got to look at Derek Carr. He's going to make your team competitive. Right. So maybe they didn't have the winning record, whatever. You were a competitive team. You're going to be there at the end of the year trying to get a playoff spot with him. And if, if you, you know, if you're these teams that were there anyways, right, without that type of quarterback, I think you're going to, uh, if, when you get him, that's what you're going to get is a quarterback that is going to be able to keep you competitive. I mean, he was three and three against Justin Herbert, right? Justin Herbert, you know, his people love him. Everybody says he's elite, but Justin Herbert was actually three and two against him when he finished the game. Because one of the games that Justin Herbert won, Marcus Moriarty finished, mm-hmm. right? So he actually technically has a winning record against Justin Herbert as a starter. So that's what type of things you have to look at is that he keeps you competitive against those type of quarterbacks. Right. If you have him, you can maybe maybe he's not going to just blow them away, go toe to toe with them all the time. But you're going to be able to compete with them. Right. And if you have a good defense, then maybe you can stop them and he can, you know, get you a couple more plays. And I I think that's kind of how you want to look at it. And that's how I look at him. I don't look at him as a superstar elite quarterback. I I look at him as a quarterback that makes you competitive as a team. So I guess you can whatever tier you want to put that in. That's what he is. Mark, it's fair to say that he's not an Aaron Rodgers, a Tom Brady, somebody who can make up for a bottom-of-the-barrel level defense, but he's a guy that if you give him at least a competent defense, he's going to more often than not give you a chance to win. I think that's what you're saying, right? 100%, because even if you look at the two best defenses in DVOA, which I think maybe the 2017 team might be a little bit better than 2016, but like when... You know, DVOA is football outsiders for anybody that's asking. It's a football outsiders metric. Last year, they finished 17 in defense. They won 10 games. Right? And that was not a good team. <laughs> but they finished 17 in DVOA and defense. They won 10 games. Right? Uh, I mean, they started off that year. I think they really started off really well in defense. And they they were 5-2. and two. I think they were one of the – I think they were ranked like 12th in DVOA in defense to start the year. And they were 12-2. and two. Five, sorry, five and two start the year. So that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like he can make you competitive on a good football team. Like is he is he going to make an average team or a below average defense team to a playoff team? Probably not. But if you have a competent defense or a defense that just you know kind of you know gets more stops or doesn't allow a lot of big plays, right? Consistently, like some games, he's going to have some some boneheaded plays get to upset you, right? And I think if you have the defense that can make up for that consistently and get through the bad game of Derek Carr to the point where you get to the fourth quarter where he can start making plays, I think that's when he can start winning more games. It's just when the Raiders, he he, can't, he doesn't show up to play with the Raiders. The Raiders lost 44-3, <laughs> you know? That's kind of the difference with him is, and even this year, like, he didn't show up against the Steelers game, right? And they're playing like a bad offense and the Steelers just eventually take the lead because the Raiders defense can't hold, right? And he's not able to make up for it and, you know, they don't make the playoffs. So I, I think he just needs a defense that will make plays and maybe win a game for him once. And that would be, that would help him out. Cause that, I don't, I don't remember the last time I've seen that. I would say that I think his ceiling is as a quarterback is more, I would say 
prime Matt Ryan, I think is more mm-hmm. of his ceiling, but I think mm-hmm. his floor is those guys. So we, what I would say this, you're getting a top 15 passing offense mm-hmm. off basically as soon as he walks the door, you're getting a top 15 pass offense, right? And that's how you kind of got to look at it too, is he's going to walk in the door. You're getting top 15 passing. What will it, where, where will it end up? I don't know, but it's going to be top 15. And, you know, you look at most metrics, the top 15 teams that are the top 15 in passing, they usually end up making the playoffs, right? The, if, if you're in those areas, that's who ends up making the playoffs is the teams that are top 15 there. And I mean, the Raiders actually ended up around that. And I mean, they still didn't make the playoffs this year. and they, They've been around that since about 2019 and they haven't been making the playoffs. So you're going to get that consistency where you're getting top 15 passing offense right um so i mean that that's basically good enough if you have a good defense i mean that's that basically what you need um especially with some of those guys getting better and you know some some of those players that are play for the jets some of those wide receivers that are there i mean they would work for Derek, especially you know with how those guys separate so um <clears throat> it, it would it would work out i think if he went to the jets just because that's that's what he brings i mean they're going to be a top 15 offense and, you know, if they, those guys work with Derek and, you know, they, they work with him after practice like he likes, and like Darren Waller used to, and, you know, Devontae, him and Devontae got on the same page, I think that's going to be something that they can work with for sure. Marcus, as far as Derek Carr's strengths and weaknesses, you've talked about it in broad brushes. Can you go into more detail about what he brings to the table in a good way and some of the things that you wish he wouldn't bring to the table? Yeah, so I think in in a good way. I think a lot of it is he's great with protections, right? The offensive line is going to look better than it, it, it actually is. So if there, if you know you have a good offensive line, it's going to look like a great offensive line. You have a below average offensive line, it's going to look like an average offensive line because he's so good with protections, and and you know he he can he's going to set protections. Um, he, he's going to you know get them into the right blitz call, you know, and you know th- so he's going to set the offensive line up to win, especially if he has a great center with him and they can make it work together, oh, man, he's going to be great for the offensive line and building himself time. And I, I think that's going to be one thing that is really good about him. Also, I think he he is a lot better at <clears throat> getting through his reads now. I think he's, he understands offenses. He reads offenses really well. I think he sees the field pretty well overall, like reading, because, I mean, they've been throwing the kitchen sink at him lately. And I think he he is, you know, the type of guy you can't play cover zero against him. You can't play man to man against him. He's going to murder you. So you have to kind of mix it up. And I think he's getting better at seeing through those coverages and stuff like that. So those are like the really the main things Like he, he can read the defense. He sees the field really well now. Uh, and, you know, he's going to get you in protections. He's going to get you all set up. Uh, I think that the probably the, the, his biggest weaknesses, like I talked about, is kind of throwing intermediate outside the numbers, throwing to his left, even throwing deep to his left is not the best. You want him throwing right to his left. Uh, and especially deep right, he's money. I mean, he's basically on point all the time, deep right. So that's that's kind of where you want to set up your office to play like that. You want wheels to kind of go right, things like that, you know. And uh, I think that's kind of a little bit of weakness because it kind of sets up where you can actually design the offense around him a little bit. I kind of kind of so there's a little bit of a limitation there with him. Also, I think you know sometimes I mean pressure and pocket presence it comes and goes with him. At this point, it was really bad when he came into the league. I think he's worked on it a lot, especially with Greg Olson. He's got a lot better with it. But some games, it's going to be really bad. And, you know, some quarters is going to be really bad. Some quarters is going to look great. 
And so that's a big inconsistency that he has that I think he's gotten better at, but it's still there. I mean, the the, the pocket presence, it can be iffy sometimes. So, um, but if you have a good offensive line around him and, you know, you can make where he feels comfortable and he can trust it, uh, he plays really well. So uh, I, I think that's, that's how you, have to, the, you just have to build the offense around his strengths, in my opinion. And I think you'll be fine if you do that. Marcus, with everything we've talked about in mind, I'm going to ask you the million-dollar question. Do you think it would make sense for both Derek Carr and the Jets for him to wind up here? Do you think it would be a good marriage for both sides? You know personnel that they have. Obviously, they're going to be looking to upgrade on the offensive line, but you know about the receivers, specifically Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Those are the two key components to the Jets' passing offense. Do you think it would make sense for Derek Carr and the New York Jets to join hands right now and head into 2023 together? Yeah, I think it would be a good fit, to be honest. I, I think he would be play well with those wide receivers like Gary Wilson and Elijah Moore. I think those guys fit his skill set. Elijah Moore, more of a slot guy, right? I think he, he can you know run some of those inside choice routes, and he could really work with Derek because Derek runs those choice routes really well. That's really what he did in the offense. Waller and Renfro, man, that's what that's where their connection really was, was on those choice routes. And I think you can get Gary Wilson on those choice routes too in that route running. I think that they could work together on that. And that's why in that, you know, in the offensive line, I think it's a lot better than what the Raiders had. So it's it's gonna be a good fit there. And of course he's going back to the West Coast, which I think he's he knows it's gonna be going back to learning English again for him instead of learning French. Um, and it, that's gonna be the best comfort com- comfortable spot for him. And I think Michael Flores is gonna have an idea and especially tape and film of how he could build the offense around him and where Derek Carr was successful at. Because, you know, they all have that connection. All those guys really know Derek from just, you know, being around the West Coast and being around knowing John Gruden and things like that. You know, John Gruden, you know, he's a big with those, with all those uh, coaches and even like the the Floor family and all those guys. So, you know, the the Shanahan's, they all have that connection. And just knowing that he can run that offense and knowing that he's run it really well, I think that's what makes him a good fit. Well, I wanted to learn more about Derek Carr from somebody who studied him very closely throughout the nine years of his career. And I think I accomplished that goal courtesy of Marcus Johnson, who does fantastic work for Silver and Black Pride. But more importantly, his own YouTube channel, Tape Don't Lie, where he broke down the car facts. Show me the car facts. That's what he did today. He showed us the car facts. If you want to watch yeah. the videos that Marcus has broken down, the all 22 of Derek Carr over the last couple of years, he's done weekly breakdowns. And like I said, he took all of Derek Carr's on-the-move throws from 2021 and put them into one nice video. It's all there on his YouTube channel. Go watch those YouTube videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Marcus, thanks so much for coming on and talking about Derek Carr with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out your YouTube channel, read your written work, follow you on social media, how can they do all that? Yeah, just uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter at NFL. I do a bunch of draft stuff too, so if you're into the draft, definitely going to be on that grind. So we do a lot of draft stuff on the on the channel, which is Tape Don't Lie at Tape Don't Lie on uh, <clears throat> on YouTube. If you want to go there as well, I'm gonna do a ton of draft stuff on there, draft breakdowns. Uh, also do my own quarterback breakdowns on a show called A Little Pocket Awareness. So check out that podcast on iTunes, ALPA underscore QB1 on Twitter for that too. So make sure you check that out. And uh, like I said, Scott, really appreciate you having me on. Make sure you check out everything Marcus is doing and follow him on social media. Check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com. 
and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, some awesome statistical breakdowns by Haley English at playlikeajet.com, and some fantastic All-22 breakdowns on our YouTube channel. So watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already, youtube.com slash playlikejet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in the New York Jets podcast and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital, playlikeajet.com. <laughs>